She's a former public school teacher turned stay-at-home mom. He's a talk show host who's made a career covering politics from afar. Now, Christine Stegall and her husband Chris have chosen a new path forward for their child in Christian education. Join them as they explore and experience this important alternative in education for the first time. Welcome to Making the Leap. I, I really, I take such issue with this because I, I do see a lot of former colleagues posting about banning books, that kind of thing. We're not banning books, and it's in this article. I don't want any of my kids, I don't care what age they are, reading pornography or a rewritten history that's not accurate. Well, hey, welcome back in to another edition of Making the Leap. Glad to have you here today, coming off of uh, last week's first live show. How do you think that went? I loved it. I loved everything about how it was put together, the decorations. I was sad I missed out on a cookie, but the, the turnout, the people, and the variety of people that were there talking to, loved that. Yeah, so I should tell people, if they don't listen to this, or if they don't watch the show, if they only right. listen, right? I don't, I don't think I know this as we talk where where do where can people go watch it well i know they've been talking about youtube that's actually a really great question <laughs> we i there there's a whole team of people that work very hard to make a video for this I thing know. and i don't think i know exactly where to tell people to watch it i'll get notes and we'll find out and we'll find out <laughs> but anyway uh yeah we record this thing on video every yeah. week right and we had a nice crowd turn out here at the herzog foundation headquarters last night or at last uh, week rather and telling Stories. I, I, yes. What I'd hoped yes. was exactly what occurred, and that was different slices of people's lives sharing their own personal testimony right. about why they came to Christian education. It was perfect. Everything from uh, a 10-year-old to a board member on a Christian school and everybody it, in between. Just like I said, that variety. I There were some... So first of all, if you're listening to this episode and you haven't gone back and watched last week oh, and listened, you totally should. I think that's a huge, huge piece of it because... Well, for example, I thought one of the primary... Um, amazing connections that came from last night. There were several in my mind, but one of them was the the team of women that were here. So they came down from a small little town north of here. Mm -hmm. um, they are looking to start, and they're like balls rolling, they're going. They're looking to start a small school. It's out of Cameron, Missouri. Um, and they were there listening, um, talking to you a little bit after. I was sad that I didn't get a chance to talk to them because I had been hearing through Facebook, just different, like, oh, there's this new school starting. And they said to you that when, after sitting here, you were like, okay, so what'd you think? And they said 100%. They know they're doing the right thing. They know they're, you know, they're in the right direction. Everything that they heard last week when we were doing, when we were having our live show, that's, that solidified for them that they know this is correct. Yeah, it affirmed it for them. They said right. that they, there are two teachers in their community, in a smaller community to our north, as you said, and they... I asked them, I said, is there any Christian school anywhere in your community, anywhere near? They said, no. no. And I said, so where are you starting it? And they said, our pastors of our church said, go, run with the ball. If that's what you want to do, do it. And, and kudos to that pastor. Like, that's, that's huge. Right. And they're doing it. Th I mean, it was like the, it was put on their heart, and they're doing it in the same year. Right. That's ambitious. And they're doing it with yes. the help of the school box program here at Herzog. Which I think is tremendous also, and that was a great Thing I thought about last night were the connections to be able to really advocate for what that's about. One of the two of them said to me, I said, what are you, um, what are you thinking? What's the trouble? What are you, you know, what's giving you some misgivings? Mm -hmm. And she said, I was so glad that one of the things that was addressed was size. Yeah. 
she said, I have had more than a few people show interest in what we're trying to do, but say, oh, I don't know. That sounds way too small. Mm-hmm. Why don't you let me know when there are more numbers and then yeah. we'll jump in. That right. seems to be a pretty consistent theme. And I'll admit, as we talked about ourselves in our own mm-hmm. story, what is it? What is the hang up about numbers? Why do we well, assume that it's not going to be a quality education experience unless there's a sea of children? I think so much of it is just a, um, a tr- like a shift in your in your thinking, in your mindset. Because what do most of us who have not been sitting in this realm of Christian education, which tends to be, not always, but tends to be smaller classroom sizes, what do we know? We know classrooms that are big. We know communities that are big. We know our kids all um, had class sizes, you know, elementary school, they were around 100. Um and we tend to think that of that as a good thing, that there is this wide array of people. You know, if you can't make friends with this little group, you can go over and make friends with this group and so on. Or if you're a teacher, like, well, well that was a rough class, but they're going to move on. I mean, I had that mentality. They're going to move on, and my next hour is going to come in, and I'm going to talk to them. So it provides— So it's about us. It's our preconceived 100%. notions, our hang-ups. Yep. It's what we remember. Well, that's what I—yeah, and I, I, that's really what I think a lot of it is, is that— it's not what we know necessarily, so we hesitate. And when I, and we we did when we were going to put Anna, our daughter, in you know to a place with ten students total, ranging from sixth grade to tenth grade, that's a big deal. And then I think you get into all the you know I'll call them mainstream questions. I'm not sure that that's the right word. Well, how are you going to teach math to a sixth grader and an eighth grader and a ninth grader? How are you you know there's they're all at different levels. So what it really is is coming down to that differentiated education. What what really, um, how it's going to work has to have a lot of flexibility on the part of teachers, has to have a lot of understanding and flexibility on the part of parents. Um, I think parents want to move from schools and they want that immediate solution. But I think sometimes, especially like with this school starting, that first year, those first few years, it's going to be a lot of give and take on, on behalf of everybody. And so it's, it's harder. And it's also important, and it's also what our homeschool friends will often say to us, and it's a good reminder on the other side of it, mm-hmm. why are you rushing to make a Christian education experience look like the mirror right. image of a public school education? Isn't yes. that the point? We don't want it to look like. That you're leaving the the public school for a private education. Why do you want to hurry up and try to make it mirror public? I wrestle with that because I do think, I even know in Anna's school, um, that is something as they grow, some people have real, we've talked about this before, some people have real misgivings. It's getting too big. It's getting too big. Mm -hmm. While as others say, well, no, it needs to get big to get competitive. Mm -hmm. I I think that probably turns off a lot of people Mm -hmm. who say, "I I don't want it to get too big. I don't want... A uh, giant football stadium full of kids right. that looks exactly like our public high school. I agree, and I when we talk about this, you know, and things getting bigger, uh, you know, it's I've really found enough people now over the last two years that I've I have let go of some of my thoughts about getting bigger, and I've really come to say like, well, the benefit, the the real benefit and real draw of getting bigger, is that you have um, more kids really really on board for Christ. That's really what it is. More families, more kids focused on their ultimate salvation, which is what we're talking about. And so um, that may, in your building, mean there might be more op- uh, you know, opportunities for sports teams, for science labs, for all you know those things. I think those are good. But at the core of it, I think it's okay if you're getting bigger. But that is what homeschool proponents say a lot, is we're doing this so that we're not sitting in that school, quote-unquote, 
place. We also know that um, it gives a tremendous opportunity for ministry, and we've seen mm-hmm. it with our own daughter. Mm-hmm. Not that, you know, I don't want to be those obnoxious parents that are constantly bragging on their daughter, no. but I must say that ours has really impressed me that she has felt comfortable enough as her school grows, and some come in from the outside that maybe don't have a heart for it. Mm-hmm. She feels comfortable now articulating why she does and when mm-hmm. she's asked questions she can confidently talk about right. it that uh, as i said that's probably on the one of the most powerful last week it's moments mm-hmm. yeah what was your favorite part of the show last week probably when we had um I bet it's the, the same f- thing we were both talking yes. about last night on the way home. <laughs> Which we did, week. right? When we were leaving, yeah. you know, when we were leaving the event last week, we just kept like, talk, talk, talk. Um, having those three little kids in the front sharing their experience. Like, that's the part that I, I, I'll tear up over my own daughter. But like, I, I was I was a little teary over yeah. the three of them um, because they were able to sit there, number one, for an hour and polite well-mannered respectful you know that's hard that's hard to ask them to do but they they're now in a school that is very small um it is a kind of an you know an additional campus um to the school that we have our daughter in and it is in its first year and there has i know there have been you know different kind of adjustments and things but talking to that family the kids were so stinking cute and identifying and pinpointing what they liked about their school specifically. I know we'll probably talk about some of that, but then to hear both of their parents come in with confident, heartfelt, genuine appreciation and I I think um, gratefulness for this opportunity that they, um, they're working for it. It's not like they're, you know, they're, they're not just, um, utilizing a scholarship and sending their kids and whatever I think they're fully invested in what yes. is important um, so hearing that from all of them I think we heard from all four of the five family members um, from the mom the dad to the third grader and that's that is so reaffirming to yeah. hear because it's when she, you know one of them I think it was the fifth grader talked about she felt better because she was learning with pen and paper and that's as a as a language arts former language arts teacher, as someone who likes to write, as you know, I'm always saying, write it down, write it down. It's so much better for your brain. You know, to have a, a little kid articulate that and identify it as a ten year old and be like, I know that that's better. That's huge. Yeah, um, it was cool to see somebody brand new in elementary school to it. See a graduate who we've yes. interviewed here before <laughs> talk, talk about her ministry afterward. Mm-hmm. Going back. I, um, one of my favorite stories was uh, Maddie, who was one of our guests from a couple of uh, episodes ago, made the point that she still calls on her Christian school teachers to yes. this day to have coffee yes. and counsel. And I kind of joked about it, but I'm kind of serious. Yeah. I have fond memories of my sure. high school experience, but I never called up one of the teachers for a coffee. Well, she's, I, I know she's in and out of the building. And again, this. Not every school operates the same way. Not every environment operates nope. the same way. So we're just, we're, again, we're only, we can only go off what we know. But Some I, are two or three day a week schools, right? Right. So they're all, everything yeah. is different. But where she, you know, what she's talking about when she's in and out, I think um, she's formed those relationships well enough. And you can't, that can't be one-sided. That has to come from the administration, the teachers, the students. They ha- they all have to want it and be invested in that. Um I definitely can see exactly how that 
yeah. um, mentality, how that um, system works for her. And so she she is, and it's not just her. I've been in the building when there's, you know, college student comes back, they pop in and there's teachers high-fiving, hugging. One of my first memories was being at a high school football game and you were still back in Pennsylvania and I had um, our daughter there cheering and I was sitting like all by myself. I mean, I was totally like, I don't know anybody, you know, I was just sitting there, but I went, we had to, you know, had to get her there. And I watched kid after kid after kid, these, these kids that maybe didn't go away to school or were staying local for school, coming in, hugging the Bible teacher, hugging the <laughs> other, te- you know, their language arts teacher. Hey, like that's a community family feeling. Yep. And I-, I think we're, we're a fairly decent sized school um, in the area. I know uh, maybe that wouldn't happen in a really huge school. Maybe it would. I, I don't know. But I think the, that smaller, mid-sized school lends itself well to that. But there was nothing like watching those kids walk in, high-fiving, hugging parents, teachers, other kids, leaning over, hey, you know, and that has stuck in my head. And when she was talking about that last week at the event about how she'll, you know, grab a teacher for coffee, she, um, she's not kidding. Like, she yeah. wasn't exaggerating. I see it in other students that pop in. Um, you and I comment regularly on the students that seem to take the lead in roles where they're emceeing events, where they're hyping up, you know, different kinds of um, pep rallies, where they're in the musicals, and we see this poise and grace. I've seen it at the bank, the sports banquet that we held, or you know, that was there, um, and random eighth graders, fr- freshmen, just taking the microphone and praying over the people that are there openly giving accolades to the people around them for what they've learned from them over the years. That's the benefit of yeah, what we've I, seen. I think what you're saying or what I hear you saying and what I think is true about most, I hope uh, Christian school education experiences is, is that when kids speak publicly and that's something that, you know, is it's what I do for a living and I, I'm always very interested to see young people who are good at it or have a natural gift for it when they're poised, when they stand up and they'll speak in front of a large crowd. That's intimidating as heck for adults, never Mm -hmm. mind being a kid. It was intimidating for me, and I loved it as a kid, but it was scary because as a kid, I had to muscle through the intimidation factor of it. I had to muscle through it. Mm -hmm. If kids snickered or teased or joked (laughs) or whatever, I I had to love speaking in front of them more than hearing the snickering. But I get the sense, maybe this is not always true, and I'm not suggesting that every Christian school kid is uh, an angel, (laughs) but I get the sense that most of the time when these kids want to stand up and give their testimony or read or speak, it's an affirming environment. Mm -hmm. That's my impression. I don't know if you'd share it, but I I, I get the sense that the staff, the teachers, and other kids hold one another responsible. Mm -hmm. Hey, he's speaking, she's speaking be respectful, listen, mm-hmm. affirm. And mm-hmm. it just, it instantly builds a character in these kids and you can see it. The poise yep. they have when addressing other adults and speaking in front of people. It, it And again, just versus sort of this, I don't know, mob mentality where, <clears throat> you know, so-and-so stand up and speak and the whole class is mocking or laughing mm-hmm. or whatever and distracting. It's just, it's a different vibe. It's a different right. environment. It so, is. Not to get sidetracked. It is. But no, but I, I you know, it, it's worth <clears> it because I think... Again, when people are hesitant about places that are smaller, that might be a benefit, something they haven't thought about. When you're like those little kids we were talking about last week, when you're one of four students in a classroom, I think you gain skills that you would not have. You really can't. I mean, you can be quiet, but you can't be 
I mean, I had those kids in my classroom all the time that didn't have to say a word if they didn't want to. It it worked because there were 25, 30 kids in my room. And if they weren't going to speak, I had a lot of other people. When you've got four in a room, there's probably some ways that you really just can't avoid that. How about the uh, eight-year-old, the, the sister, sibling, yes. who said that, uh, and again, it was just telling, We no mm-hmm. prompting, no right. rehearsal, didn't know what they were going to say, right. just asked them. And her observation was, in public school, she was moved around a lot. What I what I heard her saying was constant distractions, yes. constantly dealing yes. with chatty discipline, yes. um, rather than focusing on me learning something. Yes, which you know still happens everywhere. Of right? course, I think I, Anna has actually been like, I got moved, you know. But you have that again. You're and Anna actually has spoken to that before. Um, it was frustrating to her at first um, because the classes were smaller and she was noticed. A whole lot more than I think she was noticed before and that actually I think now plays to her benefit I think for all kids that plays to their benefit they're no longer one of max 25 30 right now they're 15 kids four kids 10 kids and that teacher has eyes on them and not just in a disciplinary way but in a you know rise up a little bit do better do you know that kind of thing but I think for a little kid to notice Oh, it's peaceful in my classroom. You know, I'm not shifting all over the time. You know, that was Peaceful, great. calm. We hear that from mm-hmm. parents. We heard that testimony last night. Mm-hmm. They notice a calmness. Yes. A lack of stress. Yes. There's a peacefulness, not an anxiety. Well, and taking, again, every school is different. So the ones that I think we were talking about a lot last night probably do less with computer screens. There's, I think there's a time and a place for all that. But all day long, sitting on a screen is not no. okay. Um, that has definitely been removed out of where we have our daughter, where these a lot of these kids were talking about last night. Um, not that they don't use them. I mean, there's we're still checking Google Classroom and we're still doing things. But um, it's not to that extent to where I think it just kind of, I keep saying, like it fries their brains. And then they're, they, they don't know. They've checked out a little bit. Then they're frustrated when they come home. The dad mentioned that, that there wasn't that mental like drop when they get home you know I'm sure they're tired after a long day um I actually had the opportunity a couple weeks ago to be subbing um helping out with some stuff and at at a you know that small school and when you were asking earlier when you were asking me about the parents that are hesitant about the small small school the small numbers call me when it gets bigger I was watching pre-k through fifth grade (laughs) run around playing these hilarious made-up games um, in this small space that what they didn't have a big um, jungle gym you know they didn't have a big thing to run around it was literally like a paved porch area and a grassy side off the building and they had I mean I'm not exaggerating like a jump rope a plastic bat and they were picking dandelions and they were I I don't don't know I'm gonna guess maybe there were like 16 17 kids out there all of and the, the majority of them were on the younger side mm-hmm. running around. And those fifth graders, you know, the fifth grader, the third grader, they're all together and they're forming that, that connection. And that is where I see kind of that culture of our eighth graders are going to be led by our seniors. Our second graders are going to be led by the fifth graders and sixth graders. Hopefully, hopefully that, um, that culture is there to foster that. And that How was, was that, awesome. by the way? You're subbing, you're subbing, because <laughs> I mean, you come from public school yeah. education and background, it and was, so you and you've you've taught kindergarten. I have taught. I taught preschool, so preschool. I did some preschool ages, and then I did mainly seventh grade was my big, so my big grade. But I've never 
I don't know that I've ever heard you tell the story of subbing in a Christian environment, particularly no. a startup one. No, like I one. haven't yet. No, I wasn't. It was a different situation because they had some like testing type stuff that they were going through. So it was, um, it was, it was actually super interesting and eye opening because, like for example, I. Um, I just had a couple of kids with me for the morning and I was sitting in their little library area that they have, you know, and again, it, it's not all the bells and whistles, right? So it's just this little, little classroom, bunches of books, bookshelves everywhere. Things are labeled with post-it notes. It's not fancy. Is it sad? Is it pitiable? No. Do you feel sorry for no, them? No, I didn't at all. In fact, what I loved was, um, you know, when they finish, when, you know, we finished everything, the protocol was, we you know, kind of had to wait till everybody was done. But then there were, you know, comfy little cushions and they had the option to keep putting books, you know, grabbing books to read. Um, they were doing some coloring and they were talking and they were talking about what they did last night and family movie night is this weekend. And, you know, all this thing. And I'm, I'm looking around the room. I'm like, there are, there are plenty of, uh, you don't need a giant library with the yeah. latest technology and innovation this was fine. This room with the hundreds of books that were in there, totally fine. Um, the principal said that to me. She's like, parents come in here and they're like, oh, it does look like a school. And that's I think that's what some a lot of people want. They want it to look like, look like a that school, school but, but again, they want that, the different values it's that attached to it. It's that, it doesn't right. look like we know. Right. It doesn't look like right. we know. There's so the library to, isn't yeah. this huge cavernous room. No, it's a little it's a little room, but there's still time. The playground is a little spot next to the building and it's going to be okay right now and in some ways I think showing the kids you don't have to have grandiose crazy for everything makes them a little bit more appreciative it was a neat it was a neat experience you know the other thing that I noticed they all met together before the day started and they did the pledge to the bible they did the christian pledge they did the pledge of allegiance and the little boy that was there last night or last week in that front row um who didn't speak um, at that event that we had, he did speak during when I was there for the subbing. And he led in the pledge, led in the three pledges, and then prayed over everybody there. He's, oh, wow. I think, seven. I'm going to say six or seven. Wow. And he, I wanted to ask him about that, and then I had forgotten when, when we had all that. But um, to watch these, it's a little guy. I don't. I mean, I just had a friend with me today, and she was like, let's pray. And I said, well... How about you? Because I'm not so great at the out loud in front of, you know, and she's like, she, she was so funny. She's like, okay. But this seven-year-old in front of 20-ish people, you know, said a prayer for the week, you know, prayer for the day, led everything. And I just thought, what a cool foundation. So if you're hesitant as a parent, I, I would not be hesitant. I think there are tremendous benefits in looking small versus big or homeschool versus And, and by the way, the, 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 kind of happy conclusion to this is what we're finding is um, maybe older kids, maybe middle school and high school, still not the case, but I'll tell you, young kids, kindergarten mm -hmm. through what, fifth, are you not starting to notice that oh. schools are starting to bust at the oh, seams? Yeah. I mean, again, I talked to people. numerous people that yeah. when the people that are doing all the, you know, the entrance admissions type stuff, they're like, we're filling up grade level, grade level, grade level. I have a friend who's on a waiting list now for her um, oldest and she's like, so what oh does that gosh. tell you what are we noticing culturally because here's what I think because let's be real for a second mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are concluding well our older kids are already too far down the road we're not going to put them in Christian school probably not the correct way to think I would right. say by the way knowing what we know now right but we did that with our boys right 
we put Anna in in sixth grade. Are we noticing that young parents of young children are deciding we're not going to screw around. We're going to get started right away. Yes. But older kids are st- parents with older kids are still kind of making the decision to hold I off. I think they are. Is that what I, you're yeah, reading? I think so. But the caveat there is middle school. I think yeah. they're hesitant more on the high school end and they're like, well, maybe we can kind of how we did, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get through. Um, middle school seems to be, and I'm blessed after having taught it, I get it. You know, they're, they're like, I don't think I want to, I don't think I want to do that. So it's that fourth, fifth, sixth grade. I mean, fourth grade, it's not middle school, but making that transition. Well, is it better if we do fifth grade, then she's ready for middle school or he's ready for middle school? Or do we try a year of public middle school, see how it goes and then switch? So that sixth, seventh grade, that fourth, fifth, you know, that window there, I think that's, I think that's a tough one. And, you know, I'm switching subjects too. I, um, don't think we, well, I know we haven't talked about this yet either. The other thing I got to do recently was go on a field trip with um, all the eighth graders. I got to be um, a, a chaperone for oh, the eighth yes. grade uh, kids. And we went to the zoo looking at the zoo from a biblical worldview point of view and talking about before we even went to the zoo, everybody sixth, seventh and eighth grade was all together. And they were talking about creationism and talking about using, you know, all the Bible verses, um, you know, where God, you know, on day one, day two, day three, and kind of did that refresher. I think, you know, the kids, a lot of it, they know that already, but they're reinforcing it. And then you're going into the zoo talking about, you know, where did this giraffe family come from? It's not the one cell that branches, you know, it was this group, family group, this animal group, this animal group, this animal group. And it was neat to approach it and look at it from the wonder of God's creation versus how I think any other zoo trip would have gone. <laughs> you know, it was really, it was really interesting As to I hear see. you talk. I think, I imagine that there would be people listening to us right now who, uh, and I can only put myself in my own shoes here when I say this. Christian, my whole life, raised in the church. Uh, I believe in a Creator. Uh, I worship Jesus, and yet there was something about the notion of. Even if, if, you, if you'd said to me, Monday through Friday, you can send your kids to a Christian school and they will learn about creation. I'm, I wasn't hardwired to think that was, I, I don't want to say, the word's not inappropriate, mm-hmm. but there was something about it. I was biased against it. Well, I, and I, I don't know why, because it, it yeah. comports with what I believe, but there's, there was something, I hate admitting it, but I must. And well, I know there are a lot of people listening to you talk about it right, right. now that think, well, so, okay, you're sending your kids to school for an education, and it sounds to me like it's just extended church Monday through Friday, right? <laughs> it probably and, and by the way, does. is there anything wrong with that? No. Well, no, I, I don't think there is something wrong with that if it is steeped in the Bible, right? Because yeah. I think you can have, I think you can, there's places, we've talked about this, that have Christian education that is probably not 100% biblically based. I talked with a parent, actually, on that field trip um, who has her son in a different uh, high school location. Uh, it is... Uh, Christian, and they are not addressing addressing creationism first. Kind of like when we interviewed um, that woman last year, yep. who said she teaches all of it, then comes back to talking about you know the creationism piece with with regards to evolution. I think um, for me, growing up, and kind of answer to what you're saying. I think what I always thought was, well, they can they kind of coexist and we've had people talk about how you know there is this and then there is that science piece mixed in but to firmly say our world was created um by god 
first and foremost. No, I, I don't think I ever, as a kid growing up, high school, college, that was not my mentality. I just kind of thought you had to figure out a way. Well, listen, I mean, we had, a, we had a pretty raw moment last night. I was a little shocked to hear Anna, again, our daughter, say right. uh, she wasn't entirely sure she yeah. believed in Jesus. Right. But and, was, but I mean, and that's, that's nothing huge, she's ever said to us. Right. But that's a huge thing because, again, what we talked about is it's that 24-hour, seven-day-a-week really addressing this as um, God is in all of this. And but I we, don't think we ever addressed we that with our kids. It. We never right. uh, what What I kept thinking about when she said that was, okay, we, we never talked about that. And if we just said, let's just soldier on, let's just push through mm-hmm. and never address this and never moved her and never gone in a different direction. Right. I don't know what she would have grown into. Well, and I don't know that we ever would have pressed ourselves to find out. Right. And I, to understand how to lean into Jesus, how to lean into faith, how he is the breath of everything. That's not an easy concept for kids, um, especially if they're confronted by everything that kids are confronted. And if you're not, I mean, we know a lot of people now that they're like, nope, no phones, no social media, no nothing like there. There's something, there's a lot to that right there. I have no, I have no qualm or argument with that at all. But if you are going to go the route of phones and social media, I think, I think even more so you need to be, um, invested 100% because I, I think about the stuff that Anna has said, science was the hardest thing was probably one of the hardest things to make that shift, right? You're going from learning about Darwin and everybody else, you know, to being like, Oh, well that might not be fully correct. I I keep thinking about, you know, our older sons and like, we, we want, we should be sitting down. And I think we actually will, the more we, you and I talk to say to them, look, here are some other, here's, here's, the Christianity piece, this biblical worldview. Here's the secular worldview. We want you to understand the difference. We do believe this, and it's going to be probably a journey for you to kind of undo some of what you know. Um, I think they know things from a political point of view as well, that not necessarily always a Christian point of view. Right. Um, There's a difference. And there is a difference. And so I think there is something about that too. Well, it was just a tremendous. It event. was, and uh, yes. again, fifty so, episode, fifty plus episodes. They were mentioning, which when I lay it out, I'm like, well, that is crazy. One that we've year done of these, this. so we thank you for turning out. If you physically yes. came, and, and thank you for yes. your written reviews and your five star reviews at Apple iTunes yes. and Spotify. We're thankful for all the people that you know made the leap. That just within schools, within their own families, starting schools, taking you know taking those taking that proverbial leap and, and taking that risk. I think. I love these signs because I just think like, you know, that's a, that's a, um, it's a cool badge, I think, to be wearing for, because we're talking about the kingdom of God. That's, that's really what it all boils down to. And I think we are making tremendous leaps in a million different ways by doing this. It's pretty it cool. It was fun. It was fun. So thanks for uh, coming last week. A uh, couple of stories at the Lion, our uh, sister publication here at the Herzog Foundation. If you don't know it, go to readlion.com. Great headlines there every day. Josh and his team. (laughs) People write from all over the country for the Lion. And there are a lot. I've been, you know, I'm on there every, pretty much every day, um, reading through things um, to keep kind of, I guess, ahead of what's happening. Um, So there's always new, always new content to be looking at. The the guy that we call President of the United States uh, had an interesting uh, turn of phrase. It's not 
unfamiliar to those of us who watch the culture and listen to government officials these days talk about our children. Uh, reading this from John Ransom at The Lion. In a partisan speech on the eve of announcing his re-election bid, Joe Biden, joining First Lady Jill Biden, sided with the teachers' union and their progressive allies against parents' remarks made at the State and National Teacher of the Year celebrations. Biden's framing of the debate on public schools and teachers' unions against parents will likely be a major theme next year. I sure hope so. Oh, I, 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 when I read that, I was like, bring it. Yeah. Let's go. Um, parents and educators, said Jill Biden. Parents and educators are partners, and we together know what our students need, and parents can't always do that alone. Parents don't want to do that alone. Yeah, I highlighted that. <laughs> I have that underlined with a big fat question mark. Parents because, don't want to do it alone. Yeah, that's... And you know what? I I don't want to necessarily do this alone, but I sure don't want to do it with the mentality that someone like Jill or Joe Biden have, you know, as they're as in their for, forefront of their thoughts. What about this idea that um, you're a book banner? We're going to hear that a lot. We're banning books. Yes. That was something that you're explaining the unexplainable banning books. Um, he launched his uh, reelection campaign video last week. Yeah. And that was one of the first things he said. We live in a time where we're banning books. So you know, you're Hitler, I guess. I, I really, I take such issue with this because I, I do see a lot of former colleagues posting about banning books, that kind of thing. We're not banning books. And it's in this article. I don't want any of my kids, I don't care what age they are, reading pornography or a rewritten history that's not accurate. I'm not banning the book. And this is actually a lot of people would argue with me on this. If they're going to be on the shelf in a in a public school setting, then I guess they're going to be on that shelf. But I want to know that my child is not going to be reading it and they're no. not going to have access to it. I would like to get it off the shelf totally. If it, I don't want it there. But if it's in a library, if, it, if they're going to argue and they're going to keep it in there, then I want some kind of safeguard because I'm not, I'm not about banning books for just a you know, a, a content of an 18 year old can read something that's a little different than a 14 year old or a 13 year old, but inappropriate material. There's a reason we don't hand our phones to kids. Any parent really doesn't hand their phone to their kid and say, go at it. Every parent is talking about how to restrict material on a phone. Why on earth aren't we doing the same thing in a school library? Yep. There is no difference. Pornography on shelves does not need to be accessible by even younger than a 14, 15-year-old. I mean, I get into the debate for high school level, but it does not need to be there. Now, I will say there's subjective for a lot of people. I've seen books by Toni Morrison that I I, I don't think they're horrible for a 17, 18-year-old. I read them in college. I didn't read them in high school, but does the eighth grader, high, you know, 14, 13-year-old need to get them? I don't think so. No. So it's not a banning of books entirely, but it's getting rid of that material N nobody needs to be reading about having sex in the school like that's not that's not necessary for well, any this, curriculum there's this hyper focus on sex and sexualization and gender I, it's a weird it's really weird and it's uh, people of goodwill mm -hmm. this is not a faith-based right. argument no. this is not an analytical uh, academic argument there's this really dark weird mm -hmm. weird 
obsession with talking to kids about sex and exposing them to gender ideologies right. and gender confusion and sex content and book. Right. It's an obsession. Well, when we're talking about constantly asking kids all the time, what are your pronouns? What are your pronouns? I made it through every year of my teaching yeah. without one time asking a kid, uh, he, him, yeah. she, her, they never had to do it. I, we, we managed just fine. So when you start there and you're saying, well, you, okay, you think you want to use the other bathroom? Go right ahead. When we start at that base level, what's the surprise there? Of course, it's going to morph into something else. And the other thing that uh, President Biden said, I know you, <laughs> you know, the yeah. man we call president, yeah. I know, but he said the statement that I took huge issue with. Um, also in that article from The Lion, there's no such thing as someone else's child. No such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all our children, which sounds a whole lot like it takes a village. Yeah. And when you take things like that, it all of a sudden erases the idea that I, along with our creator and you as a partnership, we are the ones. Well, it's collectivist speech. Right. And we are the ones that take care of our kids. But that's also how public education came to be, and we've learned that right. from people like Pete Hegseth. The history of public right. education is in rooted in collectivism. Yeah. It's collectivist groupthink. I, it's not to celebrate the individual. So. Well, and then he also went and uh, accused conservative leaders of attacking the core of the Democratic Party today, which is the LGBTQ students and their teacher allies. The core. That's what, yes. He accused conservative leaders of attacking the core of the Democratic Party. His statement uh, very specifically says, but across the country of late, from, our, from some of our friends on the extreme right, um, L LGBTQ students and teachers are under attack from hateful laws. So he's referring the, to The them. word, our core? That was the um, statement that was written in the article itself. So mm -hmm. if you look on that last page, after taking credit for the increase... Attacking the core of the Democrat Party today. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> written by uh, John Ransom. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, um, that's actually pretty fitting. Um, the core, uh, LGBTQ, that's, that's not... That's not a full double-digit percentage of uh, the total population no. of people. Right. And when you're talking about uh, transgender right. people, you're talking about less than one, you know, it's one-tenth of one percent. Mm -hmm. um, that's the core right. of your entire party right. platform? I mean, that says a lot, but okay. Anyway, um, another piece <laughs> at the Lion from uh, Cedron, I think it's how you pronounce it, I hope. C well, C I guess we'll learn. Cedron? Cedron? Sullivan. Kansas public school teacher, yes, your children are being indoctrinated. I am pretty amazed at this piece. I don't and that's know about an opinion you. piece. I, you know, it I is, like that but it was would you have piece. written it as a public school teacher employed by a public school district? <laughs> would you have written this? No, because I was reading through it and I thought, well, wow. This I, is dated April 21st right, if you want to go recent. find it. But the first paragraph is telling. I can no longer stay silent about the state of our schools. Like that is the first that is within the first two lines Taught of the article. Shawnee Mission School District in Kansas. Shawnee Mission School District for 15 years, says this person, as an English teacher, and I can't stay silent. Uh, um, we're hearing this a lot uh, from public school teachers, and I get this question a lot. What are public school teachers doing to push back? If they really have a conscience about this and they feel sick about it, why don't they leave? Why don't they push back? Well, Some are. Some are. Apparently they are. Well, and just when you're skimming through, too, um, three teacher coaches, um, she said, left in March. And then in one day, four more teachers said they are contemplating leaving the profession. I actually also just saw um, a, another former colleague of mine. She is, I didn't realize this, she's probably only a year older than me. Um, she's also retiring at the end of this year. And I know doing the math, I technically would not be 
in that space to retire. But I know that she is someone that I taught with and she is leaving. Yeah, you'd um, still be, if you were in the full I would full still time, be in for about another five years, four years, I think, mm-hmm. four to five years. People taking early retirement. Yes. Getting out when they can. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how she worked it. I'm sure summer school things add up. You know, I don't know the whole deal, but I know she could be in longer. She's a phenomenal teacher. Um, I'd love to find out more details, but she is leaving. But this article coming out of this teacher from Shawnee Mission, I, which is in Kansas for those people who aren't familiar with the area, um, there is repeated white shaming and a preoccupation with white people as the oppressor, including staff field trips with a focus on systemic racism. A um, little different than your field trip to the zoo. 100%. <laughs> yes. And very different from the um, trainings and things that I went through. It There was... I remember bits and pieces, but it was not the prevailing view throughout all my trainings and all no. the different things. It, it was not there. We always had bits and pieces, but it wasn't that idea of um, white shaming and the focus on the white people as the oppressor. I just think, yeah. so what are we doing? The Shawnee Mission, okay. Yeah, the Shawnee Mission School District in Kansas is a very, very high-profile district. It's a, a well-funded district. There's a lot of money in this school district. Uh, this individual writes, they pay $3.5 million to out-of-state agencies to recruit and retain more educators. We're losing good teachers because of an imposed divisive rhetoric that doesn't inspire mutual goodwill, a strong anti-capital. And so for you people that say it's not happening in my school district, we've got a great district. Oh, careful. Here, here's what she says, or he. There is a strong anti-capitalism, anti-conservatism, and anti-American bias in DEI curriculum, diversity, equity, inclusion curriculum, with an emphasis on white fragility, how to be an anti-racist. I have been in workshops, writes this teacher, where teachers were discussing how to incorporate the 1619 project in their English curriculum, how to use Orwell's book 1984 in class as propaganda against those of one political party, which is the height of irony. Right. <laughs> Uh, one teacher referred to me as a Nazi and a fascist for disagreeing with her views. There is no ideological diversity. There is no substantial counter-argument allowed. It is wreaking havoc on morale. At the staff meeting this month, we were told we should refer to students by their preferred names and pronouns during the school day, but hide from the parents. Hide the fact the that parents. their minor children are transitioning at school. This is also a consistent theme. The obsession with the sexualization and then hiding conversations like this from parents when they happen well and later on in the in the in this op-ed it um the author does go on to say i am just one voice within the public school system but there are many teachers and students who like me feel silenced and ostracized so if there is ever a group of people that probably need prayer and support i think it is those teachers that feel stuck and we work hard to not bash on teachers i think this is an administration problem and and beyond however i bet there are administrators that also feel stuck um and i when i when i read that after you had sent it to me i just thought that is an incredibly horrible place to be as a teacher when you enter thinking you you're filled with this you, you know teach. ideal of just yeah. yes you're reading stories and you're writing and you're learning and all these and then you've got this you've had to become a monster an ideological monster right and you've got to shift it and i i don't know i i it's so easy to always say i would never have put up with that i don't think i would have but i bet i would have put up with it longer than i would have wanted to probably um god didn't want you on that trajectory but though, we're you know? not right so all those years ago when i was like okay i'll stay home you know thank you jesus because yeah. i didn't even have to 
go down that path, but my heart breaks for the people that do. And the point is, it doesn't have to be this way. No. It just doesn't. No. I mean, you told the story last week that a woman we go to church with, she's leaving public school, retiring mm-hmm. early, and she's going to start teaching at a Christian school. Right. Um, right. We know of another Christian woman in our church who teaches in a public school right. setting, and you said to me that she very specifically walked right. in and said, I'm going to teach here, <laughs> but here's the way it's going to be. Right. Because <laughs> I'm a believer. And said she could do that because her principal is also a believer, yeah. and that's... So there's, deal. I mean, there are good yeah. people who are doing their mm-hmm. best, but I mean, it's a and it's it a does typhoon. play into the salt and light argument, yeah. which I'm I'm okay with for adults. I am not okay with putting a third grader, fourth grader in the place of being salt and light on a daily basis in this kind of environment. Yeah, and we're Absolutely just we're no not way. in an a live and let live no. uh, arena anymore. Well, it's, not when our president is basically making is planning to make this a core piece of the yeah. of the next election cycle, and I I I want him to. I bring it because I'm. <laughs> I think there's so many people that are ready and that are already standing up. And I think I picked a bad time for it. You know? I, based on the room full <laughs> of people we had last week and yes. the people that are listening to this show mm-hmm. and the, the anecdotal evidence that we see that Christian schools yeah. are just busting at the seams. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a war they will lose if they right. want to continue. Well, to here's another. Like, it. you've got your... We've got our education hashtag, freedom. Hashtag <laughs> education freedom. All the time. I mean, yeah. this is we what we continue we're to advocate at. for that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, wherever you live, lean on your state representatives. Find out who your state mm-hmm. representative is. Find out who your state senator is, and ask where he or she stands on allowing you to have your taxpayer money back in your pocket, right. where you can spend it as you see fit for your child's education, wherever that may be, at their public school there in the community or a uh, homeschool setting, or a Montessori school, whatever, but um, it is your money. So let's get our legislatures to and our governors to give it back. Six have so far. Right. And there will be more. We're getting there. Um, As always, when you are listening, when you're reading articles, when you're, you know, going along with all of this that we're talking about here, feel free to leave us a comment. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, They're at Making the Leap. Email at hello at makingtheleap.com. Twitter, uh, making underscore the underscore leap podcast. And we always, always, always welcome the feedback, uh, the emails and the comments. Um, Great, great turnout last week. We're so looking forward to putting out the next round of podcasts, talking about everything, all these issues. I think we're really going to be looking forward to. And we're always meeting new people. Schools, people, We've already got new guests in the hopper coming to you. Some great stories of people, inspirational stories. What I love is how the stories feed one another. Right. Someone hears someone else. And Mm -hmm. so we want to keep bringing you stories that hopefully will encourage and inspire you either as a parent or an up-and-coming Christian school teacher or maybe Mm -hmm. administrator or somebody that wants to plant a church or school. Um, it's huge. So, yep. yeah. Thanks We're for tuning for in it. today. Thank you. And we'll see you tomorrow or next time. Not tomorrow. <laughs> next time. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> That's I do it us. every day. We do this once a week on Making the Leap. <laughs> Making the Leap is a podcast presentation courtesy of the Herzog Foundation. Please rate and comment on the show as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next time on Making the Leap. <laughs>